0: Well, joining us on the line right now is one of the ambassadors for the Cancer and Wellness Centre fundraiser, Brad Williams. Welcome to the weekend break. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, something really important to mention as we kick this conversation off is that it's actually Bladder Cancer Awareness Month. What can you tell us about this significant month?
1: yeah so bladder cancer awareness month is obviously to make people more aware that bladder cancer does exist it's a sort of a, a lesser known cancer but it, it is it is a silent killer and uh, it has uh, you know affected a lot of people's lives and it sort of doesn't get the same uh, coverage i guess as what you know your breast cancers and and say uh, prostate cancers do so this is a cancer that uh, is predominantly uh in males um and that unfortunately you know for me that was the case so you know i had uh, no other factors uh, other than being male that uh, caused me to to get bladder cancer. So, um, you know, they say that uh, things like, you know, long-term exposure to chemicals or smoking uh, can be the the reason for bladder cancer, and I've, you know, had neither of those. So, unfortunately, I was just one of, uh, I think, 3,100 Australians were diagnosed with bladder cancer in 2020, and I was, uh, and 2,390 of them were men. So I was one of those men who were diagnosed with it. So fortunate for me.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey so far since being diagnosed? How's it been for you?
1: Yeah. Look. So it was March, uh, twenty twenty. I noticed some um, blood in my urine. It was a weekend. It was the weekend leading up to COVID uh, before the you know the world changed as we know it, uh, and um, then. It happened for a couple of days and then it sort of went away. And uh, I spoke to a friend of mine. He said, oh, you might have a kidney infection. He said, because you had a similar thing happen a couple of years ago. I said, yeah, that's probably all it was. So it went away. And then I think it was about June last year, mid to late June, when the gyms opened back up again. Um, at the end of June, when, uh, with COVID being pre- predominant there and the gyms all being shut down. And I went to the gym. And I noticed it start up again. I thought, oh, maybe it's because I'm straining too hard or doing, you know, looking for reasons as to why I could be starting with the blood again. And then by mid-July, it sort of hadn't hadn't let up at all. And uh, so I went to the doctor, and uh, it was sort of quite constant. And went to the doctor, and then some scans. Uh, went for an ultrasound, uh, and then ended up uh, going back and getting the results that they would found what possibly looked like a tumour. Went for a uh, CT scan. And then uh, then they sent me off to um, Bendigo, to a urologist, and this was by about early September and within, I think that was the 3rd of September last year, and by 9th of September, I was in hospital having the uh, tumour removed.
0: This may be classed as a bit of an insignificant question, but what was it like being a cancer patient during COVID?
1: It was sort of certainly daunting. Um, you know, like I know that the, the doctors were all, But I suppose by the time I got assessed, uh, it wasn't too bad, I think they the doctors had a better understanding of what COVID was, but at the start, when I didn't go to the doctor because uh, doctors were a little bit averse as to being patient on patient contact, so it was all done by phone, and so I, hence why I didn't go. Um, and that was, you know, probably had it have been found a bit earlier, it might have it might have changed, you know, uh, any prognosis that I've got. But I mean, look, we we can't change that now. So mm. COVID did affect a lot of people I know going to the doctor and getting diagnosed with various things, and I was probably one of those. So unfortunately, and then when I was. Um, diagnosed, or sorry, had the tumour removed in uh, on the 9th of September last year. Two days later, I found out the doctor called me and said it was a high-grade T1 cancer. So, and it had breached the second layer of my bladder, which was a real concern as well. So, uh, we, we sort of had to go in, and uh, six weeks later, I had to go back to Bendigo for another uh, resection of my bladder uh, to get that tumour out and dig in further. So, yeah, so it was sort of yeah, very – It was, and, and, and referring to your question, yeah, it was very hard uh, in the COVID situation too because going to the hospital, having the, your temperatures checked, you know, you're signing in, everything, those COVID protocols was, was very uh, difficult to get around. My family went not allowed in to see me. So basically I went to hospital that whole time and had no one come and see me apart from nurses. So I had no visitors, nothing. So it, it sort of – it was challenging for, for sure.
0: And how are you going now? I'm sure you're doing regular checkups and different parts of rehab, I can only assume, but what's it looking like for you in the future?
1: So, yeah, so I was uh, lucky enough, uh, well, well, I should say I'll go back to November where I had treatment done in Bendigo. I was travelling down once a week um, to Bendigo for f- six weeks um, and having a, a catheter inserted in uh, and then having this BCG immunotherapy treatment which um, they they put in via the catheter and then I have to lie on my side for half an hour on my my back and then my other side for half an hour each and uh, so an hour and a half and so it was a long journey down, you know, a bit of time to think about where your future might lie uh, and then, you know, had the treatment done. End of the treatment finished there, I think it was around about the 10th of December, had Christmas and then uh, I went back to work on the 4th of January. And then, um, 14th of January, I had a cystoscopy done, which is, uh, which was called a rigid cystoscopy where they knocked me out and they have a look around. And the reason they did that was in case there was any new tumours that had grown so they could maybe get in and cut them out straight away. Uh, as it turned out, there was none there. So the, the uh, immunotherapy treatment looked to have worked at that, that stage. Uh, and then just recently in April 27, I went to, uh, a hospital in Chuka and they did what they call a flexible cystoscopy so I was awake for that. It was very similar to having the catheter inserted so I had the the camera um, put down inside into my urethra and then through uh, into my bladder and they had a look around the the bladder and found that there was no new tumours there so uh, all all was okay. So currently um, I'm just under surveillance at this point in time and so it's sort of, uh, it was a relief um, to say the least but right now I know that I can get on for the next six months and not until the end of October before I have to go back for another cystoscopy. So hopefully uh, we get the same result then too. And the doctor did tell me, or the urologist told me, that uh, I need to be five years clear of tumours before they can determine me as being cancer-free. So I'm a five-year long-term project at the moment.
0: Well, it's a huge relief, and congratulations on that result. That's absolutely incredible. Tell us a little bit about your involvement with the cancer and wellness centre fundraising, because this is just going to prove to be such a wonderful thing for the region. Yeah,
1: really proud to be a part of this uh, this whole fundraising. Um, uh, you know, for the the Echuca Cancer Wellness Centre. Like, it's something that obviously is close to a lot of people's hearts. Uh, a lot of people. Are touched by cancer and you know me and my family are just a, a, a number in the in a big crowd of people that are touched by cancer and at the moment um yeah my job for that is to uh, for the for the to become an ambassador and to help raise funds and uh you know currently I think that uh, the government, the New South Wales and Victorian government in the first uh, because there's so many shared services on the border I think that it uh, received around about seven million dollars in in government in joint government funding from both the New South Wales and the Victorian government, which is one of the first I'm led to believe in a joint project such as that. And Arteria uh, Regional Health needs to raise a further 1.3 million dollars to uh, you know help build this can- uh, cancer cancer centre. So. I'm really hoping that, uh, people of the community, looking like people in Taniliquin and, and far afield from the Chuka and, uh, and Moema, um, will still utilise this service that, uh, will be fantastic and will save people having to go to, to either Bendigo or to Melbourne. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, people can jump on board. It'd be, it'd be really appreciated. Uh, you know, even, if, even if they can just spare one dollar, it, uh, it'll all go to, the benefit of the community and it's something that I'm really working hard with uh, with Shari and the team there at uh, Chuka Regional Health to sort of uh, really promote this uh, cancer and wellness fundraiser
0: Brad Williams you are a very inspirational man thank you so much for taking the time to tell us a little bit about your story I know there's plenty of value in that and also congratulations on all your work you are doing with the Cancer and Wellness Centre it's incredibly admirable
1: yeah thank you so much thank you for your time